Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Let me just start out with a couple things. Christmas was probably in May or June, not December. Um, there were not three wise men that showed up at the birth site. I think what else. And Mary did not wear this beautiful blue and white outfit. Merry Christmas. <laughs> all right. So just wanted to get all that out of the way. Um, you know, the, the reason I tell you that is not, um, I, you know, I hey, I like driving around and seeing all the nice nativity scenes, you know, with um, Mary looking like she just stepped out of a CoverGirl magazine a few minutes after she had a baby. I mean, like, that's realistic. But anyhow, um, I like it when the, you know, the wise men are there, even though we don't know if there were three. That's just an assumption because there were three gifts. They got there a long time later. Um, but I, it does bother me the next morning when you drive out of the neighborhood and there's all the snowmen deflated and the little baby Jesus deflated in the yard. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. So if you got them little inflatable things, keep them things going, people. I know that's, you know, at least the baby Jesus part, all right? Don't let the baby Jesus be deflated this Christmas. All right. <laughs> now, here's the whole deal about Christmas. We do have kind of an idealized view of it. And I, I understand that. I mean, and, and there's, there's some reasons why we probably should. But here's the deal. That's looking in hindsight. In reality, there was a lot of mess around Christmas. It was not a neat, um, picturesque thing. And it went all the way back even to the lineage, the genealogy of Jesus. And in Matthew, you know, if you wonder why there's two genealogies, most believe that um, in Matthew, that's uh, Luke's genealogy, or excuse me, that's uh, Joseph's genealogy. And then in Luke is most likely Mary's genealogy through her family. But in Luke's genealogy, um, there are, there's some people in there that, that are kind of surprising. You know, there's Judah. You know, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. And Judah had uh, several sons, and he married one off. And, and the Bible says that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord took him. All right? I don't know if I was just censored here or what, but something happened. <laughs> it's okay. I'll say it again. Uh, but anyway, um, so the Lord took him. Well, in Jewish custom, you gave um, the next brother to that wife so that she could continue on. That would continue on his lineage and also his brother's lineage. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord too, and the Lord took him. So if you're a father and you've given two of your sons to this woman and they're both dead, you're, I get it. You know, and I, yeah, he ain't getting another one, so put him off to the side. Well, here's what she did because he didn't do right by her. She pretended to be a prostitute, met him out in the street, and ended up having twin sons by her father-in-law. That's not a pretty part of the picture. That's not the part that we, you know, we really want to look back there and see, oh, and they were all fine, upstanding people all the way back, but that's not the way it was. And later on, when they brought word to him that um, his, his daughter-in-law was pregnant, she should have been, by most rights, would have been put out from the family, turned away. But he said no, because she is more righteous than I. And that was really the first public confession of sin that we have in Scripture. And so that's part of the story of Jesus, just as are all the amazing, miraculous things that we have. 
it was, it was born out of messiness, our mess. Okay, that was the whole reason for Jesus coming was because we'd made a mess of things. Also in there, and it was really unusual um, in Luke's genealogy, or excuse me, Matthew's genealogy, for there to be four women. And there was, like I said, Tamar, that's the woman I talked about. Um, there was uh, uh, Rahab, and she was a prostitute in Jericho who hid spies when they came in. And then when they were leaving, they told her, hey, we'll, your whole family will be saved as long as you stay in your room and you put this scarlet cord in the window so that we knew, we know that this is where you are. And that was a precursor about what Jesus was going to do for us, that it was by his blood shed, the scarlet color of blood, that we would be able to be passed over, that we would be um, redeemed and forgiven of our sins and not face the judgment that was coming. You know, there was uh, Ruth who was, um, uh, from a foreign land, but who came with her mother. He, she was Jew by marriage. And her uh, Boaz came and, and, and married her. It was his right and his responsibility as the kinsman redeemer. And that's a foreshadowing of Jesus coming and redeeming us. And then the last one was the most, um, a, a reminder of the most famous adultery, act of adultery in the history of the world. And that was uh, Bathsheba you know, who committed adultery with David. And it, it was, you know, really, I think there are a couple reasons why that is so significant is because it's, it's symbolic and it, it tells us that David, who the Jews would have said was, either he or Moses were the greatest men their nation had ever produced. And David was easily the most courageous, best leader, all those things, best king. And yet, he wasn't good enough. And that's part of the story and part of just the mess that surrounds the whole birth and the genealogy of Jesus. It was not a, a pretty thing. Now, we pretty it up. You know, we have nativities in our home. They're made of shining porcelain and the, and the, the straw just kind of glows. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we should, now looking back at it, it's easy to see how even though there was all this mess around it, it was also this beautiful and amazing thing. I mean, it really was. But at the time, you got to wonder, what were the people at that time thinking? And so we're going to read uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse um, 18. And if you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, Matthew 1.18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded 
and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there are a couple things that we can take from this, and one of the things I want you to understand is that um, Joseph and Mary were betrothed. They were married, okay? But they had not yet moved in together. They had not yet consummated the relationship, but the vows or the promises that they had made to one another was considered to be marriage. And so to end that relationship required a divorce. They would have had to have been divorced. And so there's a couple things that I want us to remember. The angel appeared to Mary first and said, you are going to conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. And she told him that he, what the, the angel told her, excuse me, what, what he was going to be, that he was going to be the Messiah, the one everybody was looking for. But here's something you can tell from this. Other people didn't know. I mean, for one thing, maybe she came out, you know, she was a teenage girl. Maybe she came out and told her mom or her parents. And I'm betting one of the first things they said was, we're not going to tell anybody else this story. We're not, I mean, what, what would you do? Hey, you know, you're walking down the street. People counted months back then just like they do now. Mary's not supposed to have had relations with anyone. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows everybody's business. But all of a sudden, she's pregnant. So what do you think people are thinking? That she broke her vows. That she was with some other guy. And so what do you think parents are going to go to? Oh, no, 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 no. She wasn't with any guy. That's God's baby. How do you think that would have gone over in the neighborhood? How do you think people would have responded to that? This is a messy situation. This brings embarrassment, shame on the entire family. And in those days, it was certainly grounds to end the marriage, for, for Joseph to divorce her quietly. And see, that, it tells us, you see what kind of person Joseph is. The Bible tells us he was a righteous man. He was a good man. And even though he had to have been hurt, obviously he hadn't spoken to Mary or Mary hadn't told him, Joseph, it's cool. I mean, I don't know what he'd have thought anyway. Can you imagine getting that story? I'm, I have not been with any other guy. I'm pregnant by God. I promise. I mean, can you imagine? What would he have said? So she doesn't tell him anything. She doesn't send him any messages. Because he, who knows what he thought anyway. But the word's around now. See, it, it's become knowledge that she's pregnant. There's a scandal going on here. This isn't sweet, clean, above every. It, it's messy. There's people's emotions. There's people's pride. There's people's reputations. And they're, they're all in this jumbled mess at this point. And so what does Joseph do? You know, it's interesting to me. You know, I, I don't know why things jump out at me sometimes. But, you know, God didn't come tell Joseph the same time he told Mary. He waited until after the weight of this whole thing was on Joseph. He waited until after... The scandal was fully known. You know what Joseph's friends are like? Dude, your, your fiance, she's been stepping out. Words out. She cheated on you, bro. The whole weight of that is on him. And I would imagine he spoke to his friends, 
to his family or whatever, and now he's made a decision. Now, maybe some of them wanted him to make a, a spectacle of her, to embarrass her publicly, but he's a righteous man, and he, he has some compassion, and so he decides to just do it quietly. And then what happens? A vision from God comes. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, <laughs> there's kind of a choice here for Joseph, it sounds like, doesn't it? Mary didn't really get that choice. When the, when the angel came and said, hey, you're going to conceive a son, here's the deal. God knew what kind of person Mary was. He knew she was an obedient, righteous person. When he came to Joseph, he didn't say, hey, you can choose to do whatever you want to do. If you want to get out of this mess, you can. He said, look, don't be afraid. Go ahead. Because he knew the kind of person that Joseph was. And here's one of the keys you need to get from this, is that they had both proven that they were obedient servants of God before this moment ever came. Now, this was their biggest, <laughs> this was their biggest test of obedience. I mean, it's not like Joseph before had already been through two or three virgin births. This is the first time. This is the big deal. But God knew his heart and he knew he was faithful. And here's one of the things that I, that I want us to get from that. God's plan is always bigger than we are. It's not about us. And in this moment, you know what? Joseph was the guy who was chosen, but it wasn't about Joseph. It was about Jesus. And there are times if you're going to follow God, you've got to accept that. You know, here's the reality of what God came and did to both Mary and to Joseph. He said, hey, I know you got your life planned out, but I'm fitting to blow all that up because I got something else in mind for you. You, you understand? I mean, they had it li they'd lined it out to the point their, their, their marriage was already lined up. Joseph was going to be a carpenter. They knew what they were going to do. They, they probably already had a place lined up to live. But here's the thing. Once it got out that she was pregnant and he chose to marry her, all that changed. It would have been very difficult for him to stay right there where he was and work because the, the, the rumors would have followed him his whole life. It blew up his plans. And you know what? Here's the thing, is that when God comes and he's got something for us to do, when he has a plan for your life, a lot of times it's going to blow up your plans. It's going to change what you thought. You know, I had my life planned out and God changed it. Now, it's easy for me now to look back and think, man, what an awesome thing. I'm so glad that God blew up my plans for his. But at the time, I'm going to admit to you, it didn't necessarily feel that way. I mean, I was willing. I had told God already, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then God, he, he said, okay. Here's all your plans. Gone. I got to admit, 
It didn't feel all joyous and wonderful in the moment. But I did know that God was in control. His way is perfect. His way is perfect. There will be moments where it doesn't seem that way. I bet Joseph didn't wake up after that dream and go, man, this is perfect. This is what I was always hoping would happen. I mean, I guarantee you he didn't. I mean, he, now, he didn't hesitate because he loved God. He immediately went and did what he was told. He did it immediately. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord commanded him. There's some urgency there. Not a, you know, when he woke up, man, did that really happen? Hey, Angel, could you come back, dude, so I could get like a video on my phone so I could show people and prove to people this really happened to me? Nothing like that. No proof, no nothing. He immediately got up and did what he was told to do. But there had to have been part of him going, oh my, what is this? What am I getting into? What is this going to be like? Are other people going to know? I mean, is this child like going to glow and everybody goes, oh, well, that's the son of God. How are they going to know? How's this going to affect me? What am I going to do now? But he got up and he did it. And see, God's way and God's plan is always greater than ours. And there are times that it takes us laying aside or allowing God to blow up or change our plans so that we can follow his. And that can be scary in the moment, but man, what a blessing over the long haul. Joseph woke up, and he did as the Lord commanded him. You know, sometimes we tend to argue too much with God. Romans 9.20 says, Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? But you know what? Sometimes we do that. God's trying to, to reveal a plan to us. And there's, I don't know how many people I've come across, Well, I'll do anything except this. And that's what they end up doing. Or they don't see it. The best small group Bible study leader that I've ever seen when we approached him about it, he was like, oh, no, no way can I get up and teach people. He was the best one we ever had. You know, sometimes we don't see what God sees. And we don't get to see what God sees until we're obedient. Why are you arguing with God? When he has a, he has a plan for you, and when you refuse to follow it, what you're going to do is you're going to miss out on seeing what God really created you for. And here's the thing that's important. Is you're not going to get to see how, what God created you for in the big things in life until you're willing to be obedient and see what he created you for in the little things in life. You see, God doesn't look at somebody and go, man, that... That person's not following me in this or in this. I mean, they're just not really even on the radar. But let me give them this really big thing and see if that brings them around. That's not how God operates. You know what the Scripture tells us? 
that the one who's faithful in a little will be faithful in a lot. So if you want to find out what God wants you in the big scheme of things, be obedient to what God wants you to do and be in the little things. Because those two things follow. I mean, Mary was a teenager. But she, was, she had proven that she was obedient to God and that she loved Him more than her own dreams and desires. And so when He came to her and told her, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the whole deal, she rejoiced. When God came to Joseph and said, I'm changing the whole deal, he got up and it doesn't say he rejoiced, but he immediately did what God told him to do. Immediately. God's plan is bigger than our plans. Until you're willing to look and follow God's plan in the little things, you're not going to see God's plan in the big things. It doesn't say that Joseph was this lovable loser who was always disobedient. The Bible said he was a righteous man. He was a good man. He loved God and followed him in the little things. He was faithful to Mary. He was faithful to follow God. He was faithful to live the way God had commanded him to live. Not saying he's perfect, but he was faithful. You want to see God's plan on a big scale? Be obedient to God's plan on the small scale. Follow what he wants in the little things. Now here's the next part, and this is kind of what, what kind of jumped out at me this Christmas. There's always something that kind of jumps out at me, I guess. And that is that both of them chose to believe what God told them even though God didn't prove it to the rest of the world for 33, 34 years. He told them. But Jesus didn't even start his ministry until he was 30. And if you're thinking, well, but you know, he probably was doing all kinds of miracles. Well, guess what? When he came back into his hometown, they didn't believe him. Because they were like, well, isn't this... Joseph's son, they knew. They didn't believe him when he came back. And so here's the deal. Joseph followed God's plan. Mary followed God's plan. And one of the things they discovered is God doesn't care what people think. You know, sometimes that's our biggest hindrance to following God is that we care so much about what people think. I mean, would you not have a hard time, man? Yeah, I was engaged. My fiance got, got pregnant, wasn't mine while we got married, but I married her because it was God's child. That's what she told us. You know, I believed her. And not being proven that that was true. You know what the proof was? When Jesus rose from the grave. That was the proof. Now, there were signs along the way. Jesus did miracles, but even then, none of them until he was 30. And by this point, apparently, Joseph's already dead. He's gone. He's not listed. It doesn't say specifically that he died, but he's not mentioned anywhere in Scripture after that time when Jesus was 12 and they went to Jerusalem. Mary had to wait 33 years 
for what the angel told her to be proven to everyone else. God wasn't concerned about the fact that there were rumors, that people laughed, that people didn't think that there was, that they thought there was something that was unrighteous that had gone on. God didn't care what they thought. But I would have cared probably a lot. Would you? I would have wanted people to know. You see, sometimes the biggest hindrance to us being obedient to God is that we're worried about what other people are thinking. Well, what would people say if I, you know, I really feel called to this job and it's not as prestigious, it's not, doesn't have as, maybe as good a paycheck, but this is what I feel like God wants me to do. Or you know what? Maybe I'm 26 years old and I'm not married yet, but I'm going to be faithful to God's plan to wait the right, for the right person. And I'm going to be faithful to Him physically during this time while I'm waiting for the right person. I don't care what people say about me. Sometimes we worry too much about what other people think. You know, I don't need to do this, and I know that. But there's a, there, all my friends do it. You know, I, we used to talk about peer pressure as though it was only teens and kids that faced it. But everybody faces peer pressure. It's this pressure to to go along with, to, to do what everybody thinks. And here's the deal. If you really want to follow God, you got to care more about what he thinks than what anybody else thinks. And you got to... Joseph faced, I'm sure, a lot of snickers behind his back. Ain't nobody laughing now. He was the earthly father of the God of the universe. Ain't nobody laughing at him now. Ain't nobody making snide remarks about Mary. As a matter of fact, we're doing, they do a lot more than that. Now that we show her at the nativity as though, I mean, she, every hair's in place. It's perfect. Like she just popped a baby up and popped right out there and was just as stylish and made up as ever. That's the way we look at it. You got people, and you know what? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to criticize any other faiths or denominations or whatever, but you got people that think if you can get Mary to tell Jesus to do something for you, then you're going to get it done. But here's the deal. The only reason Mary's in heaven is because she confessed Jesus as Lord. So she's not in charge. She's not over God anymore. But for a while, she was his mom. Can you imagine? But you know what? We look back at it not now because... We've, we know the proof is there. But in the time it was happening, it hadn't been proven. Now, they'd gotten words from God. And there was a star, but you know what? The only ones who saw it were these people from other countries. Now, there were folks there in Jerusalem. Like, what is this star? We don't know what it means. But there wasn't anybody else that followed it to where Jesus was. Just those wise men from another country from another nation. The only ones that showed up on the birth night were a bunch of smelly shepherds. Because God had to tell somebody. And you know, they went out telling people, but there's no record that anybody, hey, isn't that the one where the shepherds said? Nobody said that. 
They might not have even known his name. Who knows? But here's the thing. God's plan is greater than ours, and his plan's always on schedule. And it will be proven to be true for those who trust him. You know, there's value in trusting God and in waiting. In Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Do you know that the Israelites were like, when is the Messiah ever going to come? It had been 400 years since they'd even had a prophet in the land of Israel. They'd not heard a word from God in 400 years. And so when Jesus came, you know, they were, they were talking about him. They were, quote, waiting on him. But at the same time, it's just like us. You know, we, we talk about all the time about Jesus coming back, but how many of us really have that expectant hope that he's coming back? Yeah, I know someday, but if he happened today, how many of us would be, what? we'd be shocked because we kind of know it, but we're not really expecting it at this point. I get that. There's days I go a whole day and I don't think about Jesus coming back because it hadn't happened yet. I'm always thinking, well, someday, most of us, we think about wanting Jesus to come back when we're old and we've done everything we've done here on this earth that we plan to do. That's when we want, that's when we want Jesus to come back. But we don't think about it in the now. They weren't thinking about it either. But his time's always perfect. So what do we do? Be still in the presence of the Lord. And wait patiently for him to act. Psalm 37, 7. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Do you know that God, it, it, they had to flee Israel at one point and go to Egypt. And it was probably when Jesus was somewhere between two and four years old where the, the three wise men or however many there were showed up. And they have these valuable gifts. Because he's in another land, how does he make a living? I mean, it's hard enough to travel. How do you take all your tools? But those gifts would have been enough to live on for quite a while. Because God provides. Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You know, it's interesting to me that there's be patient on both ends and in the middles, be brave and courageous. Because Joseph and Mary, I mean, there wasn't, you talk about nowadays, somebody's having a baby, and what do you do? You send them all kinds of books. Here, you know, the first three months, how to be a mom. Here's what's coming. They got no books. And even if they had, they, there was no book about here. How, here's how to raise God in the flesh. Here's how to raise the Savior of the world. I mean, there wasn't any book on Amazon to order. There wasn't any set of instructions that came with him. I mean, having a baby's hard enough, but then also having a baby that you know is going to save all the people that is the Messiah? How do you do that? And so there was so much they had no idea about it, that took bravery Courage. It took courage for Joseph 
to go and marry and take Mary as his wife. It meant in some ways the end of his reputation. It would have caused him to lose business as a carpenter. It would have affected his standing in the church. And that was the key to business and life in those communities. It would have affected everything. But you know what? Both of them were willing to put God's plan ahead of their own. And were willing to wait for God to do what only God could do. You know, one of my favorite passages is when, you know, they go to Jerusalem and then a day later they're walking and they realize he's not with them. Which, I'm like, man, that's the kind of cool upbringing that, you know, when I was a kid, we'd be gone for a day. Nobody, you know, parents wouldn't know. They'd yell out in the evening, Brian, come home, supper. And, but we'd be out doing whatever all day long. So they go back and where do they find him? He's in the, he's in the temple. And they said, why did you do this? Why did you... Not come with us. He said, I, you should have known I would be in my father's house. And so like in the middle there, they got a reminder. Hey, this isn't some ordinary kid. And Joseph and Mary were just amazed. They didn't know what to do with it. But several times in the scripture, a couple times, it says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. So even though that none, neither one of them knew what was coming, they knew they were being obedient to God. And they knew that God was doing something. And sometimes that's all we'll know for a period of time, is that God's doing something. But there's blessing and there's joy in being a part of it. And waiting for His Word to be proven. And in waiting patiently upon Him. And it does take courage. And it does take bravery. And it takes a commitment to being obedient. You know, that, that's one of the amazing things to me is that God could show up to a teenage girl and say, hey, guess what? And she believed God. And she rejoiced. Even though it wrecked her plans, she was willing to rejoice. You know, really the greatest prayer outside of the prayer of salvation that I think you can get, you can pray before God is this. God, I will do whatever you call me to do. I will do whatever you call me to do. I surrender my will to yours. Outside of my prayer of salvation, that was the most significant moment of my life was when I prayed that prayer. Mary and Joseph both had that moment. And there are amazing things that happened afterwards. And you know what? Here's the thing we can know. If you're like, ah, you know, I, I got, I don't think I can give this up or I can't give that up. You know, Albert Schweitzer used to say that if you own something and you can't give it up, then you don't own it anymore, it owns you. Don't be owned. And I get it. There, there are, there's the unknown sometimes in following God. But man, what an adventure 
One adventure. But that adventure believe, begins with that prayer that says, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. Whatever. Can you pray that today? Can you say, God, send me where you want to send me? Have me do what you want me to do. If you, you know, if you want me to be here and serve, you want me to teach a small group Bible study class, lead teenagers, whatever that is. God, you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Don't let your fear keep you from being a part of God's plan. Joseph and Mary, that's the biggest truth about them, is they didn't allow their fear. Because if they weren't afraid, then there, there was something way off. There's no way you can't be afraid of that. They didn't let fear keep them from being obedient to God. Neither should we. You know, the thing about Mary is that it, the reason she's in heaven, and I believe she is, she, she showed her faith in Jesus. She treasured those things in her heart. She was there, which had to have been probably the worst day of her life, seeing her son crucified. But she was also a part of seeing him resurrected. Can you imagine that? And everything that had been told her, everything that she had hoped for, everything that she had believed, proven to the entire world in that moment. What a blessing that was. She believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And that's what is required for us, is we've all got to believe and, and confess that we're sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on the cross for our sins and He rose on the third day, according to Scripture. And then the last thing is we've got to confess Him as Lord. If you'd like to do that today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not concerned with how much you know about Him. The question is, do you know Him? And if you don't, we would love to help you begin a relationship with Christ today. And it really is as simple as those three things I just talked to you about. If you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus today, I'd love to lead you through a prayer of salvation. And you can just repeat it after me or you can pray it in your own words. But pray it in your heart. God will hear you. Pray it with me now. If everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, please. Pray it with me now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, all I'm gonna ask you to do is I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay. 
So here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you made that decision today to trust Jesus, you can text I did it to that number that's on the screen. It's on the, uh, on the screens in front of you. Just text I did it. We'd love to get in touch with you. We're not going to ask you for anything. We just want to answer any questions and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. If you'd rather talk to somebody in person after the service, uh, there'll be a staff member right here at the front, and they'd love to talk to you about that. But make sure you tell someone. And so right now, I just want to pray for each of us as we enter and we continue in this Christmas season that um, the real meaning of Christmas, and that's Jesus, comes through us and everything that we do and everything that we see. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for those who made a decision today to trust you. Father, I pray for Christian friends in their lives, Father, to encourage them and show them the right way to follow you. Father, we thank you for allowing our church to be a part of their journey. Father, help all of us, Lord, to be surrendered to your will, to trust you even when we don't understand everything. And Father, most of all, to be obedient to whatever you tell us. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.